December 27th, 2023. We're continuing in Moren Nebuchim. Tonight I'd like to learn together with you from Hele Gimal Perek Nun Aleph. Truth is we're going to learn most of it. We're going to get up to where Harambam pauses toward the end and he says, He Ara, I have a note to be made based on what we've discussed. We're going to leave that out for tonight, although we might, we might return to it afterwards. Um, what Harambam is doing in this uh, Perek, in this chapter, is what uh, many uh, scholars of Harambam and otherwise know, uh, know as the, uh, the, the palace analogy or the parable of the palace. Harambam is going to give this, this elaborate description of a made-up palace and king, and he's going to describe all sorts of people and how they come in contact or don't with the king and the palace, and he's in turn going to describe how those people fit on the hierarchy of what you should be achieving as a Jew or as a human being. That's what Adam Bam's going to do. How does it fit into our conversation, generally speaking, in terms of what we've gotten to in the Moreh, what we've noticed in the most basic sense, through and through again, is that Harambam in the Moreh is very focused on intellectual per- perfection. To the extent that last week we learned from Harambam's words, again, third time we would return to those words, when he talks about Ma'amad Har Sinai, in the famous Derashav, the rabbis, Masech Makot, on Daf Kaf Gimal, that we heard at Har Sinai two of the Ten Commandments from God. What were they? Anochi and Lo Yihyes, as Harambam, by the way, we'll say this part quietly, they didn't hear anything. Okay, but you want to know what it means that they heard those two? That those two they intellectually understood. The rest have certain conventional realities. Lotigzo, how do I describe Lotignov? What does that mean? Societally, what does it mean? Lotirsa, how do you define that? In court, out of court, etc. Those are all prone to interpretation. The first two, the oneness of God, the reality, the existence of God, that's what a person can and should be able to achieve achieve independent of prophecy or anything else. That's what Aram Bam described. We paused and we realized, especially by contrasting it to the words of Ibn Ezra, to the words of Kuzariv, Levi, Aram Bam is very much, so to speak, an elitist. Harambam describes you want to achieve the first of the commandments, Anochi, you want to achieve the mitzvah of blank God, Yedi'at Hashem, knowledge of God. Uh, that's what it's all about. We've been returning to that point time and time again. So this Pedic, this chapter will almost only bring us forward in terms of that theme. It'll even get us, or some of us, a little bit nervous toward the end if we make it there. Because it'll get us a little bit nervous and we should already, to be honest, be getting nervous. I've been getting questions off the uh, recording time and again, well, what are mitzvot for Harambam? Uh, if it's all about intellectual perception, so are mitzvot just like a means to that? Is there nothing inherent to the mitzvot? We talked even uh, two, three classes ago, what about the mitzvah? Talmud Torah, you're not focused per se on the nature of God, you're focused on how to perform. Is that whole development process, is that significant for Harambam? How do you define many of the traditional, for good reason, aspects of Judaism through the lenses of Harambam? This perek will not help us with that. It'll only make us more nervous about that question. We'll have to work toward an answer, which which will be incoming afterwards. Says Harambam, the beginning here, perek nun alef, perek you should know that which I'm about to present to you in this Perek is not going to be uh, per se a new aspect, a new idea that we didn't kind of work toward throughout. Now, mind you, this is uh, the, the, the book ends in Perek Nundalit. 
So we're, you know, we're really toward the end of the book over here. This is Perik Nun Aleph through Perik Nun Dalet are generally learned as a unit. So he says, I'm going to finish this off, not with a novel new uh, perspective, I just kind of reiterate and formulate and set forward for you things you know. Elohu rak me'en hatima. It's a conclusion. It's a stamp of the book. And those words, although he said he's not going to introduce us to anything new, that's going to be the latter part of this pedic, even the last part of what we'll discuss tonight. Is I'm going to describe to you once a person gets there, we'll call that intellectually, well, what's their avodah then? What's their mode of worship? Which means to say, you might say, oh, I got there and then game over. I discovered, I understood, I proved the existence of God or something of that sort. What do I do then? So someone else might say, just continue living your life with Torah Mitzvot. Harambam is going to describe almost an emotional or spiritual uh, state of being and way of life. That's what he's describing over here. Even though he describes this just as the closing of the book, that's going to be significant. It's nothing we've discussed in the past. After a person uh, was able to uh, understand God's existence, God's being to a certain extent, this chapter will now lead you into the way and the mode of a constant worship of God at that point. Uh, it happens to be in the... And right when he does that he'ara afterwards, he even touches briefly on prayer, which is interesting. We won't address it tonight, but we'll even get into tefillah a little bit in this parakh. He'll describe, will describe, well, what does life mean for a person who's living that elevated state of being uh, until their death? That's what I told you. Here comes the parable of the palace. Says Harambam, Omar Efo, Hamelech Be'armono. The king is in his palace. Understand the people under his uh, jurisdiction, as a part of his monarchy, there are some in the city where he resides, and some out. Some live in Shushan, some live out. Some live in uh, Yerushalayim, and some live out. Okay, so the lowest level is those who live out of the city. Now, in the city, there are those who are facing the king's uh, palace, so to speak, understanding something about him, at least they know where he lives. And then there are those who are again against it. They have their... They're back to the king's uh, palace. Pone elam, there are those who are facing him. Pone elam vakesh li kanesel betol li tiyatzeb befanav. Again, there are those facing away and those who are, oh, just, how do I get in? I'm interested in getting in. Ela she'ad but you should know when we got up to, again, bottom rung and then a little bit higher, the ones who are in the city and looking at it. Okay, so again, bottom rung out of the city. Next, those who are in the city looking away. Those next rung, those who are in the city looking at the palace. It says, but uh, even those who are looking at it, they've never even seen the gates of the house. They never even got that close. And then there's the next level. The people who, oh, that's where the palace is. And, oh, how do I get in? 
and they're just surrounding the wall. So they found the walls, but they haven't found the entrance. They're those who have entered into the palace and they're walking through the hallways. Some of them made their way into the antechamber. And they're even in the same close proximity of the king. But you're not in the same room as him, and you don't see him, and you're not talking to him. Even once you in your life, and of course we'll have to see the Nimshal, have made your way into the Armon, into the palace, you're still working. You want to be able to talk to him, don't you? You want to see him. And once you get there, you either see him from a distance or closer, or you shmat diburo, maybe you just hear him, or you maybe you'll even be able to speak with him a little bit. Okay, so that's, that's our parable. So we have all sorts of people living in king's king in the king's uh, uh, monarchy uh, jurisdiction, and closer and closer and closer and closer until the one who even talks to the king, the one who's even in close proximity. I'll now explain to you the mashal. He says on here six fifty six, the second paragraph, and I'll tell you. Here's the here's the different levels. Number one, the furthest and most distant from, quote, what you're supposed to be doing, what a human being should be seeking to achieve in their life is, that's uh, the climate. The furthest are those who have zero religious perspective, whether it's from a perspective, uh, 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 or uh, r- wrong way to say it, those who have zero perception of God, faith, connectedness to Him, whether from a religious perspective, or from an intellectual perspective, or even from a traditional perspective. It's those who have never addressed these issues, those who know nothing about God, those who have no vision of a deity, who are examples of those people, it sounds racist today, you know, if you specify people who he's basically saying are not smart. But okay, it's apparently just the norm of the time. He says the uh, the Turkim uh, who are in the, uh, the Turkish, who are in the, the north, the Sudanim who are in the south, and those who are in our uh, climate, in our area. All right, so he's got not great things to say about them. They're so distant, they're just off the, off the map. chesed mechusar sechil. Uh, these are like people who have no brains, he says. In my eyes, these people don't even have the status and the stature of a human being. Uh, they're, not, they're lower than human beings, but they're higher than monkeys. They, have a, they look like human beings, at least they have the, 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 the build of human beings, but they're not human beings in his eyes. It's, it's jarring, it's very Maimonidean. If human, if human beings are purpose to achieve emet and and we're not even on the path, we don't even know what that means, well, when then we're not that at all. You might recall, early, early on last year, we talked about how Harambam describes Cain, Hevel, and Shet. And if you recall, in the Torah, Shet is the only son of Adam and Chava described as being born with Selim Elohim. Harambam's understanding was that Adam had this understanding of God, understanding of the world. He taught that only to Shet, 
who were Cain and Hevel and those who preceded them, he quotes from a Midrash, they were like Shedim. They were not humans at all. They were like, not, he calls them go, Shedim and Golim. He describes them like as subpar beings. It's similar to his description here because again, if you, in his eyes, if you're just a simple person who's never been exposed to any higher level thought, significant thought, well, then how are you living up to your human potential and capacity? Okay, Ele Asher Hembaeir. What about those who entered into the city? This is the ones who are in the city, but they're facing away from the palace. It's people who think and have understandings, but they're wrong. He's probably referring to, and he does this a lot in the Moreh, to people who anthropomorphize God, who people who give God bodily features. It's not heretics per se in the traditional sense who scoff at God. It's rather those who just don't understand the nature of God and mess it all up. He he talks about Jews who do this as well, but it certainly could be other religions. Yeah, he doesn't distinguish ironically in any of this. Here, what which line? Shit. Where are you? There are people who have knowledge and investigative uh, tools and ways. But they crafted wrong thoughts. It doesn't say yasru, nosru. Nosru means it happened to them one way or another, through environment even. It happened to them, like Melashon Yesira. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, I don't think that's what he's... Okay, it's interesting. Nasrut. Okay, but I don't... You have to check the Arabic and see if it, if it, if it adds up. Whether it happened through their own investigative mistakes or because they just... We're taught wrong. Because of their wrong thoughts and understanding. The more they walk, the more they go, the further and the more distant they are from the king. Because they're so convinced by their wisdom, it just drives them away from true understanding. These are worse than the non-human being human beings. Why? So these ones, sometimes you have to even kill them. Why? And there's the key line. So that they don't mislead others. He's almost describing them as, as potential mesitu mediach. These are people who have wrong perspectives. It's not that they have no perspective. They're a danger to society because they'll bring people off, the people in the city facing away from the king. Who are the ones who are in the city, facing this palace, but just they don't know how to get in? This is the most controversial line probably in the Pedic. Who are the people who are in the city looking for the palace but haven't entered in ever? Those who fulfill mitzvot, but they just don't have proper philosophical thought. Very controversial line. The Pasha the, the, uh, the individual, he's just, he's a good man. He reads Tehillim and he does mitzvot. Says Harambam, yeah, he's in the city. He doesn't know where to find the king's palace. He's not even looking at the gates. Really? 
but he did mitzvot diligently, and he listened to everything the rabbis told him. Those are the words of Hanan Bam. Again, amazing, amazing. It's a very, it's very jarring. It's very scary. Again, it's not even, it's not nearly as scary as the general picture throughout this pedic, even though I say it's the most controversial one, because the general picture of the whole pedic is, so what are those mitzvot worth then, right? No, it's because he's not even going to mention mitzvot when he gets the people who are talking. Obviously, you need them in order to get there, but how much? For what? Are they only a means to something? All right. But, Again, just, yeah, go ahead. If, if it's a proper translation from the Arabic, the, <coughs> the implication that he's, that he's making by the word oskim, yeah, those words, since they're bolded, since they're bolded, that means that he wrote them that way in the Arabic. So it's an appropriate... Those are his words. But the word specifically busying, oskim, that's their focus. That is their focus. Osim, mekayimim. He's saying oskim. Oskim means that is their life. They're busying themselves. with It's a distraction. They don't use it in the right way. It's It's... That's their purpose is just to do it rather than to go beyond it. Yeah, understood. Like yeah, I, 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 I like it. I agree. Who are the ones who, yeah, at least they found it, but then they're going around it, but they, they can't get in. They don't know where the Sha'ar Kinisa is. People that have philosophy. They have understanding. They got it with tradition. They didn't do any empirical study. They didn't think about it independently. They follow halakha. Danim bihilchot What are they involved in? Dealing with pulchad uh, means service. The worship style uh, stuff that we do and things that we have. The liturgy and the uh, and the principles of, uh, of, of actions. But they're not bikim. They don't have a knowledge uh, of any sort with regards to the principles of faith. They didn't even investigate to, to find the truthfulness but of it. differentiate them from the prior group is that they actually have some level They have something. They've given it thought based on their tradition. They just haven't delved into it. Indeed, those are the ones who again have found they the house, accepted, but haven't. They accepted what the Mesorah told them to think. Correct. Correct. They've studied and accepted the Mesorah, read it, heard it, whatever. But they, but it, it sounds like there's a philosophical approach they have that is that Rambam would say is wrong, but they accepted it. They never delved further. It might not. It, the approach is wrong. They might have. I mean, they, they yeah, accept right. in the oneness of God, and they accept the existence of God, and so on and so forth, and and even the details. They even know the thirteen ikaremunah. How about that? You know, to That's say it like that, they have it. Uh, he would say others did as well. You know, but um, but I'm I'm giving it as an example. But they never delved into it. They never questioned it in an appropriate way. For Haram Bam, those are the ones who have found the house, but the palace, but they haven't even but they walked have in. Beyond just the doing. Correct. They, 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 Correct. At least, Correct. They just spend no time on it. Who are the ones who made their way into the hallways? The individuals who are ma'amik le'ayen. They have they've deepened their mind in thought about ikronotadat, the fundamentals of religion or of godliness or of existence 
or all of those. Hanashim sham lelosafek bedargot shonot. He says, undoubtedly, once you made your way into those hallways, well, different people have different understandings, different levels of understanding. Mishiyesh lehochacha moftit lechomashuchach beochacha moftit viyodea yedia vadaiit et koma sheevshal ladaat yedia vadaiit maadvarim ha'eloim vukarov levadaut bema shebo efsharak litkarev vadaut who made his way into the inner chamber with the king? The one who fully understood Anochi. The one who fully understands Anochi. The person who's delved into it, sought out, searched for the Dvarim Ha'eloyim, he describes it, the divine matters in understanding, proving, and cognizing the ways of God and all that sort of business, those are the ones who got into the inner chamber. Again, so we got lots of levels, even once you made your way into the... Da, bini havivi, says Harambam. No, my beloved son. He's writing the book for his student, but he's speaking to each of us. We're all his beloved sons. Shekol od ata osek matematika it's wonderful you're involved in logic. It's wonderful that you've spent time in mathematics. That's getting you close. You found the house. Again, for Harambam, you don't only find truth in Torah. You find truth in everything through a lens of Torah. You find truth in the world if you seek it out and search in it properly. Harambam's description in Mishneh Torah for Ahavat Hashem, for Yirat Hashem, which he'll even touch on here, has nothing to do with Talmud Torah, ironically. When he writes about it in Sefer HaMitzvot, he injects from a Midrash that it's also studying Torah. But for Harambam, how do you get to love of God, which means thinking about Him constantly? Go out and see the world, but don't just look at it like a baby. Look at it through the lenses of a smart, seeking individual. Mathematics, logic, etc. He says, but you still didn't get there. Because mathematics and logic is the building blocks. He says, So the way the rabbis talked about Ben Zoma, you're there, but you know, you didn't make your way in. When you understand nature, when you've understood nature and the way it works, the handiwork of God, you've now entered into the palace. When you've understood physics and metaphysics, and the uh, Aristotelian scholars always believe that physics is a prerequisite for metaphysics. Metaphysics meaning above the physical, the godly, the stuff that you can't quantify and you can't prove and you can't research in the same ways. But once you've gotten into that and you've done well, again, if Harambam hadn't written this, this would not be in a traditional book. It's a shocking statement. Why doesn't, again, he's not negating very clearly. Why didn't he write the ones who studied Torah and understood this through it? It's not his words. His description is specifically, and not exclusively, but specifically through proper understanding of physics and metaphysics. Well, that's how you entered into the inner chambers of the palace. You know, it reminds me, there was a, I've mentioned this more than once, there's an article by Professor Moshe Idel, and in it he describes how Rabbi um, Abraham Abu Lafia, he was one of the early Mekubalim. He was known for ecstatic Kabbalah. And he knew the Moreh very well. He cites it uh, a lot, so do many. Rabbi Meir ibn Gabai in his Avodat HaKodesh quotes from the Moreh. Many of the early Mekubalim were well versed and understood, disagreed sometimes, but agreed with a lot of the Moreh. 
they're dealing with similar things. You're dealing with the non-concrete side of Judaism and of the world. So it makes a lot of sense. The part that Moshe Yidel calls attention to that so disturbed Abraham Abu Dafya, which kind of turned him away from, I can't do this any longer, was when he, not discovered, when he writes about how Harambam describes Ma'aseh Bereshit and Ma'aseh Merkava. The Mishnah and Masechet Hagiga, the Tosefta, describes how you can't just study those things. Ma'aseh Bereshit, Ma'aseh Merkava. You need a tradition on it. You need to do it in a clandestine way. You need to be... All the description, Pardes, rabbis went in and got turned off. What's the definition of those? For the Mekubalim. Wow, that's the secrets of existence and so on and so on. For Harambam, physics and metaphysics, in that order. Says it be Abraham Abulafe, are you kidding me? You crazy? That's what the secrets of who we are is about? I was just running through my mind as I'm reading these words together with you right now. So I said, you want to get into the inner, inner chambers? I right, go go spend some time. I can't even say it anymore. I was going to say, go spend some time in Harvard. Now yeah, I'll get, get stoned if I say that today. It's almost as if, I, again, with the Lishma perspective, with an understanding of what you're doing in a genuine, authentic, Avodat Hashem, Bakashat Emet way. You might say everyone does so, but it's not true. That's no, very clearly not true. But that's his description. So as Arambam, this is the level of the hachamim. Of course, what's above hachamim? Nevi'im. So that's what we're getting up to. So we really, we're in the inner chamber. And of course, there's levels even in there. There's a, there's, there's shonim v'chinat ha'shelemut. But we're up to that. And here, the crescendo, the final the final piece. All of this until what time? Is he saying like Albert Einstein is in the inner chamber because he's the master of physics? No. Because he's not coming with the Because he's approach. so much so that he didn't discover it. In other words, for Harambam, it is discoverable. And if you have the mindset of discovering it, you're going to find it. Albert Einstein, who was a professed atheist, would not be, he'd be the first. Ironically, he'd be out of the city for Harambam. Or the second one. He'd be the second one, maybe. I mean, whatever. He'd... Let me go on records. Just of course. The atheist is the one who's rejecting the versions of God that are presented to him. In the world that we're in today, the, the, the versions of God that are presented deserve to be rejected, I, and therefore I, they claim to be atheists. Sammy, I can accept, and, and, and it's goodly mudzichut, and Albert Einstein is nodding at you from heaven and thanking you for that. However, I can tell you at the same time, you're not in the inner chamber. Very clearly not. So Jacob said, you mean to tell me something? No, we're not talking about that. But okay, it's a limud zechud, and 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 I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not disagreeing. With that. Abraham, who essentially is appears appears to be rejecting all the gods of sure, time. Sure, sure, indeed. The same, indeed, indeed. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and agreed. Uh, now. Again, Harambam told us at the beginning of this pedic. I'm not really going to tell you new things until. And it's until now, right? Here's the new things. Once I got you to the point of, and I spent the whole sefer getting you to this point, and there were sections where I was intense, which we happen to have not learned uh, together yet, where I was intense about the proof of God's existence, where I was intense about physics and metaphysics. Uh, okay, but once I got you to that point, and now I described it, you shouldn't really be surprised. You should know that's where you got to it. Uh, that Moshe's ability to see God was to see him through the world as it exists, through that lens of these are Ma'aseh Hashem, and this is the, uh, the clockwork of God in existence. Okay. But now, what do you do when you got there? 
what do they do? So he described, he got into the inner room. I, I want to talk with God. I want to listen to God. I want to look at God. What is the definition of that? I've spent my life contemplating, investigating, etc., etc. I've gotten to that point. What is his words? Avodah now. Now, here's where it's interesting. Again, I leave you purposefully with the tantalizing questions and issues of what about mitzvot, what about Talmud Torah, purposefully, and we need to return to that. But what I want to do specifically now in this pitik, because it's very telling, is that Harambam's final words here are almost as if written by another person. What he now gets into is almost a spiritual, emotional bond with God. Not what we expected. It's not that there's no intellect. It's built on the foundations of intellect. Whereas for Biuda Halevi, go from your experience and then get to intellect. For Harambam, everything built on intellect. But then what? So you might say, and then I spend the rest of my life thinking. So Harambam doesn't end there. It gets to Nivwa. What is Nivwa? Nivwa is high level of wisdom. More than that, it's Avodah. What's Avodah? Those who move their minds. Once they've come to perfection. The metaphysica, of course. And they're turned entirely to God. And they are negating and not interested and avoiding anything other than godliness. Their entire life, their whole existence, the whole fabric and the essence of their, their being is to find God in existence, so that they understand that relationship, they're the ones who are inside. These are the prophets. Okay, but what are the prophets doing? I get it. There are those who, because of all the uh, abstinence from the world, because of all their extreme focus on the divine, get to the point of Moshe Rabbeinu Vaishami Madonai. He was there with God. You're not getting beyond that. It's this, but what is that? That's Avodah. That's a state of being, almost a spiritual state of being. He's going to describe it in a few moments as an emotional, some sort of connectedness to the point that there's just a being. That's almost uh, meditative at this point. You got to a point where you are connected with God. You don't any longer, per se, need to be moving your mind. You need your mind moving, but you don't need to be actively searching. You're now in that euphoric state of being. I'm together with God. Sho'il v'na'ana. You speak, you ask, and you responded. Midaber v'dibur kadosh. You turn to him, and he turns back to you. Merov simhato. How about that? He describes this as happy. Elated state of being, happy and elated. That's not Harambam. That must be the Baal Shem Tov. No, that's Harambam over here. You're happy. Because he was so elated in his achievement, didn't and couldn't eat or drink for 40 days and 40 nights because he was in an ecstatic state of being with God. 
שכן השכל התחזק עד כדי שהושבת כל כוח גס בגוף. His mind was so strong to the extent that his body was almost peeled away. כלומר, מיני חוש המישוש. Of course, his hated sense of touching is gone. He didn't need that. אך, however, יש נביאים שרק רואים. That's Moshe Rabbeinu speaking, פל, פה, really there. There are those who just see. מהם הרואים מקרוב, those who see from close, ומהם הרואים מרחוק. מרחוק אדוני נראה לי, פסוק עניימיה. כבר דיברנו על דרגות הנבואה, there's different levels, but there's different levels he's describing of states of being. Again, it's a fascinating for me to think, Nachazona el matarat ha-perek, vihi hadgashat hafa'alat ha-machshava al ha-el levado. And Harambam, again, in this latter part of the perek, starting here and through the rest, gets, I hate to use this word, but I'm going to, gets very religious. Harambam now talks about how mind of a person who got to this point is constantly on God. I have more than once mentioned that there was a period of time in a different synagogue I was teaching Morei Nebuchim and people would come to collect it was on Sunday mornings it wasn't on a Wednesday night people on Sunday mornings people would come to collect Sedaka from all sorts of institutions Yeshivot in different places and I remember they would want to come and they would want to collect they would want to get some people the class was thankfully successful at the time so they would sit through the class they would always make sure to pipe up in the class and say you know what Haram Bam writes sometimes in Hebrew in Helekim al they always know because this is the chapter that's most religiously compelling. This is the chapter where Harambam is, you know, everybody can wrap their head around this. There's chapters in Nefesh HaChayim, such a different, as we addressed a few weeks ago, such a different philosophical perspective on life where he talks about the same thing. My mind is on God. Nothing about intellectual proofs, nothing about... See, Uh, constant mindfulness of God, almost meditative. You know, I, I remember reading as well, uh, the, the Briskorov, he, was, he, was, he had a miraculous uh, way of, of, of escaping from Europe during, uh, during the outbreak of the Holocaust. His wife and some of his children died, but he escaped. And when he recounted, he said, you know, I was thinking the whole time, I mean, everyone always quotes Nefesh HaChayim in that context. I've always said, but it's Haram Bam, Haram Bam. Rambam doesn't say you'll have miraculous vic- victories, but he'll say you'll be connected at that point. That's what he goes into. Again, unexpected. Unexpected for a book which was focused almost singularly on the mind. He's now, so to speak, taking the whole experience into account. The only people, though, again, who really have this avoda, who have this ecstatic state of being together with God, are those... who did their intellectual exercises already, right? But the people who just say Baruch Hashem, the people who just talk about God but don't actually understand it, what are they worth? So he's getting back to his rhetoric over here. He says, a person who talks about God but doesn't know what he's talking about, hasn't spent time actually thinking about it, he's very distant from the house. Nobody's talking the same words, saying the same thing. 
that's his imaginative God. Who, who is that God? Where, where is that God? It's all imaginative. It's made up. But he's talking about the same God as the other one. But he doesn't know what it. If he hasn't said it enough times, there's the there's the line. He says, don't start with this sort of avodah. Don't start focusing yourself on the state of connectedness of God, nevuah, and things of that sort. Until you really gave this a lot of thought. Very different than the average person or even philosopher would say, what's nevuah? Haram Bab made this clear earlier in the book, but you're not getting to nevuah until you worked a lot on your brain. It's not about, uh, you know, I woke up or I slept in the night and something just appeared to me. Those are his words. You're going to have a yihud with God. You're going to have a yitbodadut with God. You're going to go to the top of the mountain, just be you and God. You're going to be more shit. It's an amazing thing. Go ahead. Only because you just said, go to the top of the mountain. Right? I said that on purpose. You're being pushed to get more perspective. If you don't have more perspective, if you don't push yourself to understand more about the way things work, whether it be physics or other sciences that deal with people and behavior. And then you'll fall. Then you won't, not fall, you won't get to any level of sure. genuine understanding of For how sure. it all works. For sure. Whatever. For sure. For sure, you'll deepen, you'll strengthen the connectedness. Your mind, ironically, will be strengthened. Who Amar would you know? It's the Pasuk we talked so much about last week. It's a description of Moshe remembering Har Sinai in Parashat Vayet Hanan. And where the Rabbi Udah Levi, where Ibn Ezra looked at that Pasuk and they said, it's kind of getting into the experiential dimension. Haram Bab said, it had everything to do with the understanding of God at Har Sinai. Now he says, you want to know what it is? It's, it's a whole new level. He says, we had, so to speak, at Har Sinai an intellectual understanding and as a result, a eh, a rendezvous, a uh, connectedness with God. And that's what he's describing. I told you he said it for a final time. He says it again. The Torah is very clear. You don't get to this avodah until you think it through properly. Who Amar, and we don't need to focus that much on this now, but we'll just touch on it for a moment. We won't even finish this. Again, without fully addressing every word and concept over here, he has talked about ahava, love, usually emotive, for Harambam, everything to do with a state of being, just knowledge, thought of God. And he talked about avodah shibalev. What's avodah shibalev? Tefillah, the Gemara says, It's from Sifre. Um, it says, What's Tefillah? It's using your mind to think about the first intellect. That's, of course, a reference to God, philosophically speaking. And the isolation for that. 
That's what prayer is. It's a fascinating thing. I, I know, right? You're already familiar with this. But that's the description for Haram Bam. He elsewhere elaborates on this point in terms of what tefillah is and how it manifests itself. But to summarize this pedic and then to just contrast it as a final touch, what Haram Bam has set forth for us again is a mashal, an easy mashal to grasp. The mashal describes this palace with the king inside of it and all people either searching or turned away from it or not having nothing to do with it. And he described the nature of each of these people. The closer you got, the more understanding you got. The conversation, the nivuah. The nivuah being a state of being during which you've achieved it all and as a result you can just hang out in a spiritual sense with God. That's his description. He has several things uh, interesting. Number one, many, many others. Number one, where did Torah and mitzvot come in? Of course it's going to help you, but you know, can you get into the inner chamber, nivuah, without that? And is there nothing inherently, not positive, but necessary in them? It's a very scary thing uh, for some. Uh, number two, um, Harambam led us to a state of being which he never talked about. This hitbodedut, this yahud, this mahshava, timidit, which again he talks about a lot afterwards as well. That's, that's a whole new dimension which Harambam develops in the last four chapters which gets a lot of the, quote, scholars very nervous. They say this runs counter to the whole book. I know, if you're not entrenched in the Moreh, he says, okay, it's a beautiful thought. If you're in the Moreh, it's very unexpected. It's not what you thought was coming. And um, those, are, those are the two significant points, at least in my mind, uh, with regards to Harambam's words over here. What I'd like to, for a moment, to do is, and I saw this, this done by Rabbi Chaim Navon, is to contrast the words of Harambam here with the words of, well, the founder of Hasidut, Baal Shem Tov. It's uh, quoted in several places, among them in this book, Degel Mahane Ephraim. Degel Mahane Ephraim was written by the grandson of Baal Shem Tov. Baal Shem Tov, of course, is the father of Hasidut, and uh, some living some uh, 300 or so years ago, he had a tremendous effect and inspiration on Judaism in all facets, including in the Swaradi world, ultimately speaking. So here, he has his own mashal with a king and with those who can't see him. And it's just a fascinating thing to see who those who see him are and what the challenges are for them through the lens of Hasidut as opposed to through the lens of Harambam. When you contrast, you oftentimes appreciate even more, you know, kind of what, what the words of Harambam were implying. Here, just, I don't know that we'll read it all. There's a lot over here. It's written at the end of Parashat Kitavo on the Haftarah. In this book, he says, uh, starting in the right-hand column on page Taf Kuf Nun Bet, um, where it says, Haftarat Tavo, after the bold words, Ki shamati mashal, me'adoni avi zekeni, zikrono livracha lehayon amaba, he's quoting Baal Shem Tov, his grandfather. Lemelech she'asa mechitzot rabot v'achizat enayim zo lifnim izo. It says, there's a king who made many, many different walls and barriers, blocking vision, one inside of the... V'gam sibuv min kotel v'kotel neharot, there are moats and, and water that you'd have to traverse to get across. Hayalot rabot mevohalim. And then there are, are soldiers. Gamdubim varayot. He places in there um, uh, uh, bears and lions and tigers. Omai ushar hayot mevohalim. So you're scared. Not everyone who wants to speak and see the king can come. And the king is, is, is awe-inspiring and he's, he's, he's all-powerful. And the, and the sight of the, of, the, of the radiant face of the king, 
It radiates, it beams out to all the worlds. And then there's the word that goes out. They're announcing, You come into the inner chamber and you meet with the king. He's going to give you all you need, your riches, honor, etc. And then, I'm quoting from his grandfather, describes how different people try and each one gets put off. One person gets put off, these walls are too big. Another one gets put off, I got through the first wall and then there's the water. Another one gets through and then they give him money and he turns around and says, I'm distracted by the money, I got all I needed to get, and so forth. Until, says on page Tafkuf Nun Gimal, until the son of the king uh, decides, well, first and foremost, it's interesting. It's the son of the king who discovers it. Um, he says, the son of the king says, but my dad is so nice. Why would he be so distant? My dad's the, the, the most pleasant person in the world. What, what are we scared about? And so he comes outside and he starts yelling for the king. And he says, you know, uh, my words, but dad, where are you? What is all this? And then but lo and behold, all the walls disappear. And it was all a mirage. And what does he see? He sees gardens filled with pleasant things, nothing distracting and nothing intimidating. And he's able to just walk straight in. What's the nimshal, he writes? I'm on the left-hand column on page Tafkuf Nun Gimal. In the second paragraph, that starts with Vizehu. Just a few lines down. Aval who is it? What is it? What's the key? What's the inner, the, the, the way to get in? You have to realize that all those barriers are all a facade. It's all God. God is all. Existence is. It seems intimidating. It appears to be distancing you from God. But effectively, all it takes is yelling out that, God, I know this is all you. That is the, it's an amazing thing. It's very Hasidic, very Hasidic. Everyone can do this. All you need to do is just train yourself to say that these chairs and that water of bottle, that bottle of water and everything and anything that's happening in my life is from Hashem. You can train yourself to do so. And once you say it and believe it and strongly are a part of it, and after all, you are the son of the king, you're from Am Yisrael, you then have entered into the inner sanctum. It's so diametrically opposed from Harambam. It's so far and distant. I'll tell you why. For Harambam, you couldn't just yell words that you haven't truly fathomed and understood. That's the most critical point, number one. Number two, the difficulties of getting in and the distractions for Harambam are all intellectual ones. It's nothing intimidating. It's nothing. It's distractions. My mind is, in, is distracted in each of these circumstances. And lastly, well, what happens then? It almost appears from Baal Shem Tov. And then you are embraced by the loving God. That's the interesting part most of all for me because the final stage, ironically, or maybe not so, 
is where they touch, where Harambam and, and Hasidu touch. Because once you've gotten there, once you've broken through those chambers, what are you getting to now? You could have said for Harambam, you're sitting and studying metaphysics the rest of your life. That's not what he said. He said at that point, you're, so to speak, speaking to him. At that point, you're perceiving and achieving a closeness and a yehud of sorts. That's where Hasidu touches on this matter as well. So it's, a in my opinion, a diametrically opposed direction each of them, I believe, would say about the other, I don't know what you're talking about, you'll never get there through that method, but each of them are seeking and searching for a final destination, which now means an ecstatic encounter with God. Yes, Sammy? They both begin with a requirement of effort. They both require that there's effort that is and, true. and both try to emphasize and desire. That is true. There has to be desire, effort, right. and interest, and then... They both conclude with love and relationship. Fascinating point. Well I said. I, I'm going to add, Jacob said as well, they both de-emphasize Torah and Mitzvot as well. It's a fascinating thing. They both ironically open it up to the masses, but you have to be a part of this. The whole Hasidic movement was away sure, from... Sure, sure, no, no, no. Because they recognize no question. not everyone... No questioning, so much so that Sammy seems to be suggesting that this mashal potentially was influenced by the more. It's a counter to the more. You think that's it's the only way to break it? Yeah. You can't do that. The average guy is not going to be able to do that. You learned the more. You kept talking about this intellectual. All those words are even too big. What does metaphysics even mean? Oh, we're busy chopping wood. How are we going to do this? The Amaret says, says Baal Shem Tov, this is the way to do it. Again, that by means of contrast, they interesting, but again, maybe we shouldn't be surprised that the final goal is the same. The fact that they do de-emphasize is very telling and interesting, a little scary. The claims were made, it should be noted, against both, that they were both looking to take you away from traditional Torah mitzvot. The claim was made about Hasidut throughout, and the claim was made until today by some about Harambam. He didn't actually believe in that, because the claim in both of them is this is perceivable, they seem to be saying, you can get to it without that. Uh, we have to test out whether that's really so, whether they really mean that, but that point uh, very clearly is a point of similarity between them, although their approach is so different one from the other. Again, what needs to be addressed still in the mores the latter half of this Perik, where again I told you that the direction, a lot about thought of Shivit which is very significant the way he articulates and discusses it, and as well, how does he, ultimately speaking, we're going to have to jump ahead to Perik Nundale to deal a little bit with this, how does he square this, or does he square this with a traditional conception of, well, we follow the Torah and we study it in order to achieve that closeness with God, we'll hopefully address those issues next week. Baruch Amen. Amen.